0: Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Tantra's Mantra, where we go behind and beyond the tech news headlines. I am Prakash Sangam, your host and founder of Tantra Analyst. One of the major accomplishments of 5G has been proving that millimeter wave bands are viable for cellular mobile networks. Convincing naysayers about millimeter waves has been as big a marketing challenge as it was an engineering one. Uh, There have been numerous tests and studies performed by many experts as well as devices to prove or disprove that millimeter wave bands do work. The most recent and probably the most comprehensive one was done by GSMA Intelligence, published a few days ago. It looked at typical deployment scenarios and use cases to conclusively prove that millimeter wave bands indeed work and can be very cost effective. Actually, I have extensively written about millimetre waves in general and specifically about this study. The biggest issue with millimetre wave bands is their small coverage footprint. That means you will need lots of sites to provide you know, good coverage and that creates challenges for operators both from cost as well as logistics perspective. But fortunately, there are solutions uh, to address these challenges as well. And we have with us today, Deo Cutter, CEO of Kumu Networks, to discuss these challenges and possible solutions. As a matter of fact, Kumu Networks is already building some of these solutions. Dave, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Prakash. Happy to be here.
0: Uh, Dave, I know that uh, you are a serial entrepreneur, quite successful at that. Uh, could you please give our audience a quick overview of your background as well as that of Kumu Networks?
1: Sure, Absolutely you know i've actually <laughs> been doing the uh, the wireless startup thing my whole career so is actually my my third company my first two companies had very successful exits and are part of the wireless ecosystem as we speak in particular you know my last company was called nextg networks we actually you know pioneered the the concept of densification using small cells and urban areas which is a topic that's become highly relevant to 5G. We grew that business for a number of years, and in 2012, uh, sold it to Crown Castle in a billion-dollar exit, which turned out to be a great deal for everybody, including Crown, who's done a fantastic job of growing that business the last eight years or so. I got introduced to Kumu by some of the original investors, Tier 1 VCs who had spun the technology out of Stanford University. And in short, Kumu has a, a deep technology that, that meaningfully improves the spectral efficiency of, of a wireless radio. It has application you know, really to any wireless radio, so you know, Wi-Fi, def, you know, defense applications. But notably, we've we found an important market uh, the last few years in, in wireless infrastructure, so 4G, 5G, and we'll talk a bit about that. Today, But I was very attracted to the Kumu story and uh, very proud to be part of, you know, commercializing that and, you know, being a big part of 5G as we move forward.
0: Excellent. And indeed, I mean, I worked on small cells for uh, some time as well before I started my own venture. I mean, the densification we have been talking for a long time and uh, ultimately the 5G millimeter wave, it's basically becoming kind of mainstream, right? So it's uh, the experience that you had would be very valuable. You know, as operators start to deploy millimeter wave networks and densify the networks and such.
1: So yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, you know, as you as you think about what what does 5G mean, you know, for you know for consumers, you know, it probably means a new phone with a better camera. But I, you know, I think people are expecting higher speeds. If you look on the network side, to some extent, it's the same challenge that carriers have always had. They need more spectrum and they need more sites and more places. And as you teed up, you know, the millimeter wave spectrum on the one hand is beachfront property from a spectrum perspective. You know, instead of 80 megahertz, it's 800 megahertz of spectrum. But the rub is that the propagation of that spectrum is very limited. And so the challenge becomes how to cost effectively roll that out.
0: Exactly. And what are some of the things that operators are doing uh no considering that the the coverage footprint is a challenge to utilize millimeter wave in the best way
1: right i mean it's um you know it's still early days right and so you know, the operators are still um you know i mean there's been public announcements about you know i mean Verizon for example i believe has millimeter wave service and about, I think it's 60 cities at this point, but it's very limited, right? It's in only in certain locations. You know, some carriers like AT and T have chosen to focus on venues, so they they recently announced, um, for example, in in Tampa, which is the site of the Super Bowl this year, uh, they've done a number of venues using their 39 gigahertz spectrum. So, so that's great progress. And I, again, the question is, you know, how to quickly expand that to larger scale deployments. And then, you know, the way to do that cost effectively is, is the topic of some of the things we'll talk about today.
0: Perfect. As you mentioned, they have, you know, spotty deployments in, in cities, maybe with very small coverage, and they have selected uh, stadiums. I mean, they are looking at utilizing the lamp posts and utility posts, small buildings and such to really bring this densification of network. Uh, but there are tons of challenges as well, right? In terms of densification.
1: Yeah. So you basically need three things, right, for a site. You need a place to put it, which that has its own challenges. Although the the right of way infrastructure, particularly lampposts and utility poles, are fairly ubiquitous. So that you know provides a good place to put things. That infrastructure also typically has electrical power that's a solvable problem the one piece of the site that's always the challenge is is how to get the backhaul right how to get the signals from the site back to the, the carriers core network and you know the internet and so forth and so that's where the innovation really needs to be to to make it cost effective
0: exactly looking at the cost structure of uh, putting a site and managing it backhaul is one of the key ingredients into especially the capex of course there's in a good amount of uh, OpEx as well. And when you have this dense deployment, you have you know, a site almost on each and every pole. The challenge becomes that much more, right? You have to bring in, say, fiber because all these are high capacity sites, right?
1: Yeah, so that's a, that's the other good point. I mean, we'll talk mostly about economics, but you know, there is a time to market factor. I mean, just yeah, getting all the permits to actually you know, build that much fiber in the first place, even if it was cost effective is the challenge. And this term densification has been used for a while now, but for millimeter waves, because of the propagation, it's, it really needs to be hyper dense, right? So I I actually toured a a small 5G network um, a few months ago. And I mean, there were literally radios every, I think it was five or six utility poles, you know, so that's a very dense deployment. And the fiber, especially in urban areas, you know, having to, you know, trench the fiber lateral is, you know, know, tens of thousands of dollars plus, you know, ongoing operational costs. Actually, I know the carriers have learned from other activities like, you know, trying to bring fiber to the home, for example. You know, that's just not an economical way to scale the network, which is why on multiple fronts, there's been a search for alternatives to fiber backhaul.
0: Yeah, and I know you guys have been working on uh, some of them, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. So, yes, yeah, so a little, a little more about Kumu. So, so our core technology, uh, you know, is a it's a very high performance self interference canceller, and that's a little bit of a mouthful. But basically, what it means is that the radio can transmit and listen at the same time on the same frequency, and so that enables us to build something called a relay, and one of the things we've done in 4G is we have a, we have a commercial LTE full duplex relay that allows for fast and cost-effective deployments of small cells now on 4G you know that's mainly done for you know coverage extension or you know in some cases for time to market i think we've talked about you know for example these you know, pop up covid hospitals um, you know, it's a good use case for where you need very fast uh, deployment of backhaul. And so, you know, part of the idea is to take that concept and, and apply it to 5G networks where it's it's going to, you know, the need for that is on a much higher scale. Separately, and I know you've written about this, Prakash. You know, there's standards activities that have have gone into um, kind of formalizing, you know, that concept in five G, and and they actually don't refer to it as a relay anymore. They refer to it as as integrated access backhaul, or IAB.
0: Yeah, I mean, three GPP is famous for coming up with these acronyms. Yeah, IAB, mouthful when you you know spell it out, but it kind of conveys what it does. Actually, as you mentioned, IEBs were crude. As part of 3GPP's release 16, that was finalized last year, I think in June it was. I mean, I'm a 3GPP member and attend all its meetings and such. 3GPP, it's more of a consensus-driven organization, but you know, you have companies and people with you know, totally divergent objectives and interests and such. But uh, you know, it was interesting to see. IAB was one of the features in release 16, which kind of had a universal appeal across the board. But but also the simple IAB is, you know, it can do certain things, but it's not a holy grail as such, right?
1: That's right. But first of all, we're we're thrilled about the standardization. We've been doing relays in 4G, so we're excited to see that being more kind of formally approached in 5G. You know, before I answer your question, I mean, I think the first point is, you know, why is everybody excited about IABs? Well, it's because effectively what an IAB does is it uses the wireless network itself to provide the backhaul, right? And so so you don't need, you know, fiber to every site. Uh, you might have fiber going to one site, consider the donor site, and have that feed, you know, some number of these other sites wirelessly. And you can see right away that that has a dramatic impact on the economics and the time to market because you don't need fiber to every location. What was standardized in Release 16, though, and this is some of the limitations of that, are that the so-called access, which is between the site and the user and the backhaul, need to be independent of one another. And there's different ways to do that. You can either operate them on different pieces of spectrum which you know carriers don't like to do that first of all and it also makes for very complex you know frequency planning if you want to uh have you know a multi hop network for example or you can kind of take turns between accessing and you know providing backhaul and that lowers the efficiency right so instead of getting you know 100% efficiency you get something much less than that, you know, maybe 50 or 60%. And so that's, you know, that's where Kumu comes to the rescue. Quite simply, our technology allows both those backhaul and access links to operate simultaneously and on the same channel at the same time, giving you 100% efficiency and being able to hop as many times as you want.
0: Yeah, true. have worked on repeaters long back and some of the relays as well. I think that was one of the major issues that either you have to have a dedicated uh, no spectrum for it and then that means as you mentioned do a frequency planning and every time you add another node you basically have to look at this frequency plan and make sure you have to adjust it and such it was an ongoing concern you feel right so you're saying with interference cancellation that you guys have you could use same spectrum on both sides of the uh, relays or IAVs both for access as well as traffic
1: yeah, absolutely. I mean, we already do that in our 4G products. We're, you know, well down the path of doing similar things in 5G. And uh, there's a number of benefits to doing that, as you mentioned.
0: Is it uh, standardized or you know, how does it work? If I say buy an IAB from vendor X, I can just install without knowing or bothering what is on the other side, on the backhaul side?
1: Yeah, so actually the this notion of, you know, a full duplex IEB, where the both sides are on the same channel at the same time, is actually one of the major topics of release 17, which is in the works. Um, of course, we're not waiting for that standard. But the, the interesting thing is all of this is transparent you know, to the end user. So by making a call on a 5G network, that may be hopping over multiple Kumu IEBs at some point in the near future.
0: So basically with IEBs, you take a box and hang on lamp post you feel, right? For example, all, all you need is power to connect it to. Turn it on, it's ready to go, right?
1: Right, so there's no need to worry about backhaul. And because the the links are on the same frequency, there's no need for frequency planning either. So it's a, it's a network that can optimize itself.
0: And if you're looking at hyperdensification, so this could be the easiest way to achieve that, right? You don't have to plan too much in advance and you don't have to work on bringing, you know, multiple fibers to all of these sites and such. That should save uh, operators quite a lot in terms of cost as well as logistics, permits, timing and such, isn't it?
1: You know, it's a it's a tremendous economic benefit in the short term. The You know, the dilemma that the carriers have is, you know they want to get five g millimeter wave into the hands of their customers, and you know, there are phones that support it, and there's spectrum that supports it, but they need to get it in more places now, one of the interesting things about the i e b approach is that you know the carrier can still provide more fiber connections in the future, but then they're first of all they're spreading that investment over time as you know more customers have five g more customers are using five g but the other thing is, they can they can be smart about where they put those fibers because they'll have good information about you know, where their traffic is actually coming from, right? Um, so it's it it helps on on multiple fronts.
0: Exactly. So I'm thinking, for example, if you take a, a crossroad with, like, say, four roads, you would put a donor at the center of the uh, intersection, and you have IABs going along the roads. Probably one uh, one IAB for a Pt block and such, right? That's kind of the deployment you are proposing to operators.
1: Yeah, so that's a good way to think of it. Kind of the, you know, you think of kind of the, the Manhattan type model where you've got streets, urban canyons, um, you know, the, the IABs actually, you know, help bend the millimeter wave signal around the corners. And um, yeah, maybe you start with, you know, four in each direction or, you know, maybe even eight and then by adding more fibers over time, you can scale that back. But it, at least the initial deployment is very fast.
0: Yeah. So, what you're suggesting is basically, you know, get rapid deployment with IABs. And then, as and when traffic grows, you basically can change those IABs into actual fibered backward sites as and when needed, right? So, basically, Time to market advantage right away with IBs, and then you know, option to change them to fiber backhauls when and as and when needed in the future.
1: Right. And so it's it kind of gives the carriers the best of both worlds, right? So they, they get coverage quickly, but then they they also have a network architecture that they can evolve as their traffic grows.
0: Exactly. Yeah. One con of uh, IEB or relay for that matter is. It's basically distributing the capacity of a individual site through multiple A B S across large areas, right? They don't inherently bring their own capacity compared to an actual site, isn't it?
1: So that is true, but you know, a fiber a fiber can actually carry quite a bit of backhaul. So the I would say that the peak speeds wouldn't be meaningfully impacted by that architecture. I think the challenge is more what what you're referring to is when the overall network, you know, gets loaded, right, with more customers, you know, that's where some additional fiber donor points might be needed to relieve that capacity. But, um, but I think we're far from that. I mean, I think the, from a consumer side, the 5G phones are kind of in their early stage, right? So.
0: Correct. And, and I mean, millimeter sites with, with so much of spectrum, close to like 800 megahertz, they have tons of capacity. So
1: yeah, that's another good point. You know, the, the carriers are are used to dealing with much smaller slices of spectrum. So, yeah, you, you would think that what they have in the millimeter wave band would would last for a while.
0: Yeah. So uh, now coming to this uh, interference cancellation uh, or self-interference cancellation, which I call SLIC. <laughs> so uh, tell me a little bit about that. How, how do you achieve that? I mean, interference cancellation of the Slick has been in concept uh, known for a very long time, right? But it was so hard to actually implement it in the in a right and most uh, efficient way.
1: Yeah, it's an excellent question. And I like that term slick, by the way. Yeah, so conceptually, it's straightforward, right? If you can model the interference channel exactly, then you create the inverse of that and you subtract it out. And most people are familiar with the simple version of that, which is your noise canceling Headsets that you wear watching Netflix or whatever. So what we've produced and commercialized is is a it's that on steroids, right? So it's you know much higher bandwidths, much higher amounts of cancellation. The wireless environment is challenging in that it's a dynamic environment, so the the channel is always changing. So we have to account for that. And you know the early years of the company, we 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 invested quite a bit actually in and all the building blocks that are needed to to make that work right so we've we've developed our own chips we have you know software we've built subsystems and you know at this point it's um, it's clear that you know the technology works and you know can pre- be produced at scale what we've really spent the last couple of years on is you know getting that into you know commercial products that can be consumed by the ecosystem And we did that successfully in 4G. 5G is interesting because, number one, first and foremost, the opportunity and the need is is much higher, as we've been talking about. Second of all, the standards activity behind it is is quite an enabler for everyone. And and lastly, I'd like to mention that the other development that's happened in the industry is the Open RAN initiatives, which kind of touch many aspects of the network, but as it relates to cancellation and, and full duplex, so those open RAN interfaces now provide kind of a natural insertion point for the cancellation technology, which you know, not to get into too many details, but that's been one of the challenges in the past is where do you put the canceller? How do you integrate with GNode B or ENode B? Where do you get the signals? And and so that's actually now been greatly simplified and it actually allows companies like Kumu and, and others, um, you know, to work with a much wider set of, of radio vendors.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting point. Earlier, I mean, the only option for you guys was to go sell this to, uh, you know, these large infrastructure providers, which have their own interests, and probably they're working on their own technologies and such, but with OpenRAN, the landscape is much different. You get many more opportunity to go sell and integrate your technology, right?
1: That's exactly the point. Yes.
0: Very well. So you said already have a Purgi g product uh, with uh, Slick. Where are we with the 5G versions of Slick?
1: We're testing prototypes uh, as we speak. So there'll be some there'll be some more uh, announcements later this year.
0: Okay, perfect. So we're, we are all on, well on the way because Verizon, AT&T, they said they were testing uh, even last year and uh, looking for deployments this year. So you think. Most of them, or at least a large portion of them, would be with uh, interference cancellation, not using uh, either double the spectrum or uh, time duplex.
1: Well, there's a variety of approaches, but yes, I mean we we, we believe uh, the single frequency aspect of what we enable is is going to be widely utilized. Um, yes, there are trials going on. I think some deployments will happen this year with wide wide scale deployments to follow. Right, you know, there's there's a process to get in into the networks, but uh, you know in my world that's that's pretty quick so th- things are coming soon yeah
0: so you you so you're you're looking at as customers I mean, primarily operators vendors how is the uh, you know supply chain and the value chain set up you know we're in the mix of traditional deployments as well as a lot of this open and virtual RAN things coming up
1: we do prototypes to you know trial with carriers and demonstrate capabilities but our our go-to-market model is to is to sell our technology and have it be you know, integrated into the you know the system vendors' products.
0: I see. Okay, so you're pretty confident uh, of five uh, G IABs, the card with Slick getting onto the mainstream pretty soon. Then,
1: absolutely, I couldn't be more excited about the you know not only our progress but the the developments in the industry that have created that situation. And, uh, you know, we're just happy to be a part of it.
0: That's great. I mean, it's so much of talk about millimeter wave. It's so much of questioning of whether they would work or not. But hopefully we are beyond that stage now and actual deployments happening. And there is this, uh, you know, recognition of this need for hyperdensification. And, you know, there are tools available to achieve that. That's great news for the industry as such.
1: Yeah. It, from my perspective, it'll be interesting to see kind of who gets out first and who's the most aggressive. I think, I think this could be a situation where the first mover has a, has a strong advantage, right. In terms of kind of brand recognition and 5g and you know, providing that good quality service to their customers.
0: Excellent. I think we covered a lot of ground. Any final comments or thoughts? Did we miss anything?
1: I don't believe so Prakash. You know, it's uh it's always good to talk to someone like yourself who's been right in the middle of all this and uh, we're very excited about what Kumbu can do for 5G and uh, looking forward to it. Thank you and,
0: and I think that that's the one beauty of 5G. In 4G a lot of the action happened on the OTT side whereas on the deployment side and such it was in the same world large infrastructure companies trying to provide the infrastructure but uh, 5G with uh, you know, these architectures with Open RAN coming in, there's a lot of scope for innovators like Kumu to play a key role in uh, in making a lot of things happen.
1: Yeah, I mean, the ability to deploy things quickly, cost-effectively, in a hyper-dense way is, is critical, and we're right in the middle of solving that problem.
0: Very good, and best of luck with your uh, endeavors to bring that to fruition. I'd like to thank uh, Dave very much for all the information and insights has provided. A lot of exciting stuff. Dave, really appreciate you coming on to Tantra's Mantra. Hope to see you back soon on the show.
1: Absolutely, Prakash. Thank you.
0: All right, folks. uh, That's it for now. Hope uh, it was informative and you found it to be useful. If you did, please hit that subscribe button down there. I'll be back soon with another episode, putting light on another interesting uh, tech subject. Bye-bye for now.